All right, guys, you're very welcome along to episode 27. This is Heartlines. This is Shane. Uh, I took a few weeks off and I'm back again. And I'm back with a very special and a local friend of mine. Uh, he's a multi Michelin starred chef. He's a multi award winning chef. He's a restaurateur and he is a proud talent man. His name is Andy McFadden. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good. Thanks, Shane. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen you, but I have been, I have been following your your progress uh, up the ranks as a, a chef and into head chef and even into restaurateur now. And um, I want to know, well, I know you from growing up, but I want to know about when you were growing up, was food always a big thing in the McFadden household? Do you always like to experiment with food yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think it was like, obviously, my, my dad was a chef. My mom was, was actually a chef, training to be a chef when she, when she had me, um, but she gave it up when she was going to raise three kids. And then, uh, and then my dad's younger brother Neil was a chef, or still is, um, and he was a huge influence in my life, because um, my dad wasn't around when we were growing up, and um, I kind of go and hang out with him on weekends. But um, when I was about 13, 14, I think it was in second year, in school, and mum was like, "Listen, we're not going on any summer holidays this summer, um, and you're not sitting around the house all summer. So go and ask your uncle for a job." So in those, in that time, he was the chef in Lutchenstown Castle in golf club. And uh, where the Beck- Beckham's got married, he was actually oh, yeah. the chef for their wedding. Oh, was and, he? Uh, okay. it was around, yeah, it was around that time, actually. <laughs> and um, he said, uh, we can take you on as a kitchen porter in the golf club. So he was the chef in the castle. Um, they got me a job as a kitchen porter in the, in the golf club. And you probably wouldn't get away with it these days because I was 13 or 14. But I was doing proper hours. I mean, we've had a couple of 13, 14 years uh, students here in the restaurant. But we kind of, they only worked 20 hours and we wrapped up in cotton wool. Uh, we look after them, but um, but I was I was in proper hours and um, for the whole summer, and I went out to live with him in Selbridge, and um, I think just being in the kitchen and being exposed to okay, it was a golf club at the end of the day, but it looked like it was pretty good what they were doing, and the chefs they cared about what they were doing. Um, it wasn't Michelin star cuisine, but they you know they were they were knocking out some good stuff. I think it was just that experience that kind of got me thinking about food, maybe as a possible career. Um, and also in those days, the celeb, well, in those days, it was 1998 or 99. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. Um, but, um, I think the, the, the celebrity chef world wasn't what it is now or what it has been in the last few years. Uh, there was only two chefs. There was Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay at that time was the man. Everything he touched turned to gold. He was opening up restaurants in, in all over the world. He had at one stage, I don't know how many Michelin stars, definitely 14 or 15 uh, or to his name and uh, Jamie was just made everything cool fun and exciting and he was a bit of a lad and um, he kind of had that cheeky chappy going on and, and it was really cool so um, I think it was when I got to that age yeah let's say 14 15 and I thought that I maybe wanted to be a chef that that's when I started to experiment and I'd be looking up videos um, online or um, I mean I think I only got a computer actually at that age <laughs> Or the internet only came out around that time. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think um, yeah, you'd be looking up stuff, and uh, you'd be getting. I'd be getting cookbooks for Christmas. So Gordon's new book or Jamie's new book, and then that's when I'd be experimenting, so find out stuff then. So yeah, um, that was yeah, 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 interesting. Yeah, no, you're right, Gordon Ramsay. Like he's he's still on the TV now. And have yeah, ha, have you worked with Gordon Ramsay before yourself? Or have you met him before? You know, it's actually funny. I'd, um, I was thinking back then, and then when I started to get a bit more serious, and I thought, oh, I mean, there's there's all different types of chefs, and there's, you know, you can have many different careers within this industry. But I think I 
I kind of thought, oh, I want to work at the, the kind of top level or Michelin star level or fine dining. I did at one stage, yeah, I really wanted to go and work for him. Um, but um, I'm obviously then, when, like I moved to London later on, I did want to go there, but for whatever reason, I, I, I didn't end up going to work for him. But he had a competition actually called the Gordon Ramsay Scholar, which uh, I met him a couple of times through that because I was, I was in that competition three times. I never actually won, but I got to the final um, three times. But um, so I met him then. But uh, yeah, he's actually an amazing person, amazing character. He's one of those people that, like a few celebrities that I've met, that y- you can feel their presence even before you even look up and see them, kind of thing. You know, you know when they're in the room, they've got something special about them. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, chefs, a lot of chefs. Well, the TV kind of uh, depicted chef is the you know, throwing pots and pans around, like, uh, would that be your style or have you mellowed over the years? Well, I've definitely mellowed over the years. I think, um, I think as well, though, like, that is starting to change. And um, that's very much kind of Gordon style. Um, But um, I I think even, like, it it is starting to change. It is starting to change the industry. Um, I'll be honest, like, I I got my first head chef job when I was 25. Mm. So um, I think it was, like, not throwing pots and pans, but, yeah, obviously... You're going to raise your voice. You're going to lose your temper. Um, but it's not because um, you want to be a crazy chef or a crazy person. It's because you care so much. And it always sounds worse than it is. But, you know, you're, the people that are coming to these restaurants, they're spending a lot of money. And if someone, I'm okay, I'm being extreme now, but if someone gives you a piece of fish that looks like it's been mangled by a dog, you're going to say something. You're going to react. Yeah. You're not going to say, oh, listen, you know, don't worry. You know, put that in the bin and, you know, fire another one. It, it's, a, it's a bit like... like a bit like football you know you've got the you know most managers are on the touchline and they're you know they're screaming and shouting at guys that are earning x men of money a week and you know they're still getting shredded at it, it's sometimes a, a character thing but it's also the pressure in the moment that it's just how you react yeah you know um i think some of the tv stuff is obviously gordon is obviously blown up for, for tv but it's uh anytime that i've experienced that or that i've dished that out myself is um is mostly just to do with because you care about that person or you care about the restaurant or you care about the food that you're serving or you know the money that the customer's um paying or the expectation and and the pressure of the actual service because you're not cooking for two or four people you've got a dining room full of 60 or 70 people and there's many different factors in in play here and then it's just it's a bit of a jumping act and sometimes obviously you can lose your temper so yeah yeah it's it's from a place of love you're not you're not just doing it because you, you because you're the boss and, and you can throw your weight around it's because you care no, about no. the whole setup and you want everything to work you want you know the the guests to be happy you want the, the food to be perfect you want your, your vision to come true in a way you know yeah 100 percent. now when you started out uh did you where did you where did you uh go to study the culinary arts in dublin before you moved over to london where did you start out studying um, so basically, um, I had that summer as a kitchen porter um, in Luxembourg, and then um, it's actually the next summer I said to my uncle, oh, "I'm coming back," and he was like, "Well, what again? Like as a kitchen porter?" I was like, "He's like, do you want to be a chef?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think I want to be a chef." He's like, "Well, they haven't got any vacancies, and to be honest, if you want to be a chef, um, there's better places you can go." So a friend of his was Nevin the Wire, and um, he had obviously the, the the restaurant up in Black Line in County Cabin, and so I went up for the next two summers. And all the holidays that we used to get from school, so like summer, East, uh, Easter, Halloween, uh, Christmas, I would go up to Black Line and I would work there. Um, and so I did that for two years. Then I was studying for the leave, and so I didn't do much work that year. And then um, I went to IT Tala, which was obviously handy because 20-minute walk from the house. 
And um, so that was handy. It was a two-year uh, professional uh, cookery diploma. So um, I went there. I loved every minute of it. I absolutely loved going to that college. Um, all the lectures there are fantastic. Um, very supportive. Uh, still in contact with a lot of them to this day. And um, when you're in um, college in those days, it, it, they're, all, they're always developing these courses. So I don't even know if they have that course anymore, actually, to be honest. It was basically you were doing six months in uh, full time in college. So Monday to Friday and six months in industry. And then second year, nine months in, in college and three months in industry. And then hopefully you qualify. So in the first year, um, I had had a bit of experience from from uh, with, with my uncle and with Nevin and, and the college were saying, listen, you're the best thing since sliced bread. And uh, I um, actually I was working weekends and I was in college with my uncle. He had a business called Real Food at Home, uh, which would be perfect actually for, for, for the pandemic, actually. But. It, it only lasted a couple of years. Um, and um, when I went to do my placement and I thought, oh, I want to be a fine dining chef and, and thought I was half decent, I wanted to go to the best restaurant. And in terms of accolades, and it still one, is one of the best to this day, is restaurant Patrick Gibo. Uh, has two Michelin stars. It's in the Marion Hotel. So I went there, I did a day trial. Um, it was all fine. I said, I'm going to go and work there. Or he said, you can come and work here for your placement for six months. But it didn't go very well. Um, and uh, it was a really tough place to work. Uh, I actually got fired after three months um, and uh, the chef told me, listen, you're not a chef. You're never going to be a chef. Um, you should find something else, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was kind of distraught. I was ringing my uncle up and Evan and going, listen, what's going on here? You said I'm a chef and uh, the college are saying I'm great. And now this guy's saying I'm useless or whatever. I kind of, I took a week off because I was devastated and uh, not like I fire people before and, I understand, you know, it's like uh, in that moment, you don't understand because, you know, nobody wants to get told you're useless or whatever. But if you think about it, um, everybody's been told they're rubbish at least once once in their life, even the, even the best, Ronaldo, Messi, Beckham, all that, like even, or any industry, you, someone always, we all go through hard times in our lives and, and it's not for everybody. And it's, maybe it was a personal thing. I wasn't, but I don't like, you know, to be say, oh, you're not a chef. Maybe I'm not a chef for that restaurant, but. You can't like I've never told someone, "Oh, you're not a chef." Like, you know. Yeah. That, so uh, you, don't anyway. to, you don't want to break that, like, crush that dreams. You know, like yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I was crushed to be honest. Yeah, so I was I was 18, and uh, I was actually yeah I was like don't like spoiling out of control. I think I was drinking, and my mom was like, "Listen, go over and live with her parents, so my granny and granddad in Lahini, uh, for a week. Calm down, do a bit of gardening or something with granddad, and just calm down." Then my uncle uh, Neil, the chef. Uh, he rang me and he knew somebody in Le Cravan, which is a mission style restaurant in Bangor Street. And uh, he said, listen, if I can get you in there, will you go and finish your placement there? Because I was saying, listen, I'm giving up cooking and this fella says I'm not a chef, so the hell with it, I'm not, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, listen, forget all that. We'll get you in here um, and finish your placement and go back to college. So I hadn't even told the college what was going on at this stage. So I went in and um, absolutely loved it. And then did the three months there and then um, went back to college. Um, I hadn't even told them what was going on at this stage. Then I told them what happened. They were fine because uh, they were just impressed that I had gone to work in a two Michelin star restaurant and then worked out my placement in a Michelin star restaurant. And um, in my second year, um, I actually went back to Lecrevan, did the three months there again. And then I won a scholarship to America. So I went to Rhode Island for uh, three months. And it was great because I don't think they did this anymore, but they pick six students from around Ireland and they give you $3,000 spend the money. You go for three months, you go to university, you live on campus. 
you go to uni Monday to Thursday, you do all the assignments, but you're off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was absolutely incredible. And we ate in some amazing restaurants, had a great time. Um, then I came back and uh, I somehow ended up in a, re- in a hotel called the Newmore Hotel in Carmel Cross in County Monaghan. I was actually up there. I was up there last year for my birthday. Oh, yeah. It's a, you like it? I don't know. It's, it's in, like what year What year were you were you uh, working in there? Uh, would have been 2004. Okay. So yeah, two, 2019. I find it's quite a dated hotel. Um, yeah, probably it's, is, yeah. it's got a massive like uh, grounds it has a golf course around it, it has a leisure yeah. center but it feels like it needs a, a bit of tlc but it's a big it's a big hotel there's a lot of potential there you know yeah yeah, yeah that's that's my experience in normore great go on yeah so i was there and uh, i think it was a recommendation from my uncle um but i wasn't there very long because the chef there at the time the guy called raymond mccardle mm-hmm. um he was like listen you need to go to london so i was like yeah go up go go over and work for gordon and um, he had it in this eight in this restaurant called Pied Ten, and I'd never heard of it. Um, but I had two Michelin stars, and he was like, "Listen, forget about Gordon. Go to this restaurant." So I actually did a stage, which is like a, uh, an extended trial. When you go, it, it's not so common anymore, just because of the way the world is going, and you know, people have a lot of hangups when they hear that you're working for free and stuff like that. It's basically when you go go for a trial somewhere, or you go to work somewhere for free, because you're 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 you're, you're seeing how they work, what they do. Um, it's kind of the old way that we used to hire people, that you would have to go for at least a day for free to see if they like you and you like the place, and then you can maybe get a job. Yeah, That's all kind of stopping these days because there's all sorts of laws against people working for free, whether it's for, whether even whether it's for eight hours or not. So it's it kind could, of... It could also be liability. If, if they hurt themselves and they're yeah. working for free... And you don't have any insurance for them. Exactly. So there's all yeah, against yeah. it now. Yeah. Um, but in those days, anything went. So uh, I actually did a week, did a whole week. So I went over in February 2006. And um, it was, it, it kind of like, it seemed like too big of a jump from from the new more to this place. I was like, what's going on here? Like, it, they, And they were working from half seven in the morning till 12 o'clock at night. I mean, even all that's stopping now as well. And uh, it was crazy. So I did five days. And uh, it was it was amazing to see, but I was I was just like, what's going on here? Um, and then the chef said, oh, you're going to come up to London. I was like, no way. Um, he's like, okay. Um, and uh, I went back to Ireland, and it was November that year actually. Um, I got a phone call um, from the chef, and he said, listen, Andy, uh, Shane from Pierre Terre, uh, last chance we've got a spot over you uh, for you over in London in January. Uh, do you fancy it? And um, my chef uh, Ray was like, listen this doesn't happen. Like these guys just don't ring you up off in your job. So g- just give it a shot. And if you don't like it, you can always come back home. Um, also in that moment, I had a missus and I thought I was in love. Well, I was in love. And um, so I was kind of like, oh, listen, will you come over with me and stuff? So um, it was agreed that I would go over in January 2007 to work in Pianeta. And so I went over, she came over for the first week, helped me find somewhere to live. Um, and then um, she didn't come over until the April that year. And I was just like, having a bad like a really hard time so um the level was just like so it sounds crazy but it it really was like another world like in terms of the level um you were working from half seven in the morning till midnight uh four and a half days a week and it was kind of crazy like it was yeah i was obviously missing the girlfriend she moved over in april that year and uh i had a like a really tough four months 
then we'd already broken up by June. Then I was, you know, kind of heartbroken and still having a rubbish time in work. Um, but something started to click around eight, uh, August or September that year. And I started to do really well. I'd done a few um, sections. I'd done bread, I'd done pastry, I'd done larder. And then it was a big thing going on the stove. And the chef was like, listen, you're going to go on, this, on, on, on garnish section on the stove. Then I had a really strong kind of finish to the year. And I remember coming home at Christmas. And uh, my mom was like, listen, you've done your year. Are you, are you coming home now? And I was like, what? No. Uh, I'm going back in January. He's put me on fish. Uh, he's taking me to Milan for this chess conference for four days. And they were like, what? And then, then I just started to grow in confidence and get better all the time. And then I had done all the sections. It took me three and a half years. I kind of, in that second year, I said, listen, I'll stay. to Because I had done like other stuff. And then I kind of thought, I'm on fish now. I need to go on meat. I need to go on the pass. I need to learn how to run the kitchen and stuff. So um, I said, I'll stay for as long as it takes. And it took me three and a half years. And then when I told him maybe I wanted to leave, because he was letting me run the kitchen on a Saturday. And I kind of thought, I'm still only 25 um, I, or 24. It was it was a great experience. But um, I was like, I, I need to go and put, I, I was still pushing, but I was like one of the, the sous chefs. So it was like, I want to go and be like, keep learning maybe go to a three star um because it was two mission stars when i go to three mission star level so i asked him could i leave and he was like yeah um as long as you go to like a better place so i wanted to go to france because i speak a little bit of french um but for whatever reason it didn't materialize one or two of the restaurants that i applied to do one, one had a year waiting list or something ridiculous and one was closing that year and um i just didn't fancy any of the restaurants for whatever reason i ended up going to holland so it's in a tiny little town called Slice. It's in it's on the border with Belgium. It's in the Flanders region. So they speak a dialect, Flemish. It's like 20 minutes from Bruges. Yeah. And uh, it was absolutely like I thought London was hard. This was this was insane. The restaurant's actually closed now. And it sounds very romantic, like, oh, the chef said he reached his figurative peak and he achieved everything he wanted to achieve. That may be true, but also the restaurant was not sustainable, uh, especially in this day and age. We were starting work. We were working Wednesday to Sunday, starting work at seven in the morning and finishing at two, three the following morning, and with no break. And you ran all day long. I got down to about six stone. Like it was, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, it was an incredible experience, but it was. Um, I never enjoyed it. I really didn't. Um, the atmosphere in the kitchen was horrible, and um, I just I didn't like the language and stuff. And the food was incredible. It was an amazing experience, but. I just never enjoyed it. And I was itching to get back to London. Um, because even though in those three and a half years in Pierre Terre, obviously I was grafting. But when I got put at the job and I maybe made a few friends and got a little pay rise, I was also really enjoying London on my day off. Like I loved the the, the vibe over there. The, the, you know, just you always had something to do as well on your day off, you know, going to live gigs or going to whatever. Like, I, you know, and I was having a great time. And uh, so I was itching to get back to London. And Pierre Terre had a sister restaurant called Le Troupier. And I had one Michelin star. So it was agreed that I would go back to there as the sous chef. Because I'd never been a sous chef before. Because I had gotten to junior sous chef level in Pierre Terre. But when I went to Holland, I was then a chef de partie. Which means that you're just responsible for running a section. Um, so explain so, for someone who who's an avid watcher of all master chef and any, any like kind of chef competition i love I, I can't cook to save my life maybe a spaghetti bolognese <laughs> on a good day but like say for example like what's what's the entry level a job for uh, as a chef so like what's your what's what's so there's commie chef is the bottom 
Okay, and what? So Comey is like um, like a trainee chef. Okay. Then step up after that as chef de party. So and also a lot of kitchens, um, like here the team is so small, we don't have a, a well. I guess I'm the head chef, but I, the, we don't have a head chef. We don't have a sous chef. We don't. They're all at the set. They're all chef de parties. So okay. some restaurants don't even hire Tommy chef. So there's Tommy, yeah. which is the low like a trainee. Then chef de party, which means you're responsible for running a section. Mm-hmm. Then there's senior chef de party in some places. Some of the bigger establishments. Then there's uh, sometimes a junior sous chef, which is what I was in London. Then there's sous chef, which is normally the second in the command. Then there's the head chef, which is usually the the chef or chef de cuisine is running the kitchen. Um, and then, um, well, you might have a chef owner, uh, which is what I am. And then, um, so like I had a head chef here in the beginning. We don't have one anymore. So um, it's uh, it just depends on the establishment. But yeah, usually head chef, sous chef, uh, chef de party, and then commie. Yeah. Sorry. So the head chef oversees kind of all Everything. the work being done and kind of yeah, and usually works on the past. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So in a lot of places, same as here, your sous chef then as well will um he'll help with those kind of tasks, help okay. with the rotor system, help with the check of the quality control of everything. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of in some places, well, pastry is uh, is sometimes completely separate. So here we have that as well. Pastry, we have the great girl Carolina. She runs pastry. So obviously. Well, not obviously, but we do all the desserts together. So they're generally speaking, they're all my ideas. Um, mm. She'll she'll know how to execute it, or um, and then she might have someone. She, she has someone over there with her as well. Yeah, that, it depends on. The, the that's what I was going to ask as well, because like as a perfectionist or, or someone who wants like to achieve perfection in your job, okay, how how do you manage the expectations for yourself and your staff when it comes to like delivering on your on your vision like do, do you get do you get, do you get upset when things are not like as perfect oh, yeah. as they should be yeah of course it's and that's that, that comes back to the other stuff like it, it's yeah. just a natural human reaction yeah. um i think what what you try and do is um you you can only you can only do what your staff can execute so there's mm-hmm. no point in for example just to give you an example you can't put a souffle on the menu if they can't make it so and if the if the section's going to go down in the service because as well there might be a lot of things that you want to do but it's not achievable if you're doing 60 70 covers yeah so it depends on your staff it depends on your own skill set it depends on their skill set um and then yeah as, as well like you just touch on yourself there's no such thing as perfection but we all strive for that um and um it's a uh, yeah it's just uh, you know you have to trust your staff and, and train them up well enough that they can that they can help you and, and help the restaurant achieve what you want to achieve. For me, when I look at a chef, a, a head, a working someone working in the kitchen, I feel it's very hard to have that balance because you're working a lot. You got to really love what you do. You know, you got to be passionate. It's like a vocation. So you talk about living in London because I actually lived in Edinburgh for three and a half years, and Edinburgh is such a small city. So how did you um, find, how did you find living in London? Okay, you're working all the time. You're you're you're, you're trying trying to get up the ladder and get the head chef, which you eventually did. How did, you, how did you find the living or, or work-life balance when you were living in London? I think it was like um, when you're uh, when you're a chef, especially, and I don't work those that I still work bloody hard. Yeah. Um, and, I, and my staff here work hard, but I think the the hours things, the hours thing, especially for me and and the staff here, has completely changed. Yeah. Um, but in those days, I don't want to say that you get used to it, but you kind of you kind of accept it. And I think most chefs like. Don't want to say you're completely different to everyone else, but yeah, you you're obviously something wrong with you in the head if you think it's acceptable to work 100 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think um, it was it was bloody hard in the beginning because obviously 
I had that issue about missing my girlfriend and then I wasn't making a lot of money. I literally was only making enough money to cover the rent and the tube and maybe have, I don't know, it was something ridiculous, like £30 left. But I think when I when I had a little bit more money and I made a few more friends um, and um, especially when, actually, I never had a missus then after that in when I was in Tierra Terre. But when I, when I came back from Holland, I had, um, well, I, I was in London for seven years again after that. I had a couple of different girlfriends, not at the same time. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, uh, I think it definitely helps if you have someone there, that kind of support. And then, um, um, yeah, like I had, I had a few different friends. So I always had somebody to, to, to hang out with or, or to do stuff with. And, um, whether it was going to a gig or going to the pub or going to the cinema or going to a restaurant or um, just hanging out or, or just doing stuff. And it's like, yeah, you do work a lot of hours, but you mm. still had days off. I mean, yeah. In Pinotaire, you always had Sunday off and you always got a half, nine times out of 10, you got a half day. So probably a morning off or, or an evening off and then another day. Yeah. So, um, and then in my first couple of years at Lotre Pied, I, I wasn't doing so well with the, the days off. Working seven days a week sometimes. But when I had more staff um, and I had a missus, I was making sure that I had at least one day off and I would try to do as much as possible in that day. So, I think it just depends on 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 yourself and um money certainly does help uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't got any money you can't do anything True. um and if you if if you have friends or you have a girlfriend or you have a partner it um it does make it that little bit easier because you have somebody to well to cry on or, or to, uh, <laughs> and uh, and just to do stuff with like yeah. to, we all need to i remember like kind of jumping ahead here a few steps but uh, talking to talking to some of the customers here um, after the first lockdown when we were allowed to reopen on um, I think it was the 29th of June, yeah. so in July and August before the second lockdown, not lockdown, but the when the measures in Dublin went up to level three the first time I think it was around September and then obviously mm. we went into lockdown. Um, I remember them saying, um, or no, I remember I I I couldn't believe we were actually uh, busy. Um, or full or full with the social distancing and i remember saying to the customers uh they were like why is why are you so busy and i was like i think it's because we like there was literally nothing else that you could do in that moment because yeah. everything was closed there was, mm-hmm. like and uh i was like i was saying to them and they were agreeing you know we all need to do something nice to to to, to keep us sane you know because if you just work all the time you're going to be a very boring person so you can, we all need to, to to see our friends or our family, and that's what's so hard at the moment. Because when I was saying going to a fancy restaurant or a fine dining restaurant or whatever was the only nice thing that you could do in that moment, and now there's yeah. nothing that you can do. Yeah. Um, so it was like I think this. Sorry, I'm kind of waffling on a bit here, but I think yeah, it was yeah. what I was trying to say was um, as long as I always had something nice to do, that's what I was all I was always fine with my work, and I love and I do love my work, but yeah. I th- but I love doing other stuff as well, and I like. That's like yeah, what's so hard at the moment is that we can't do anything. No, it makes it that it makes it even harder. It, everyone's everyone's just in the same, having the same experience. It's not like it's just, it's yeah. uh, over in China. It's in Ireland and it's here to stay. Well, well, they have a vaccine now, so we have some sort of light that, yeah. tunnel, you know. But, yeah. Um, so let's go back to a Lotro PA. I, well, that's my that's my French. I, I got a B in past level French, okay, but that was many years ago. Yeah, probably better than me. <laughs> 12 years ago 12 years jesus time flies so lotro pa so you were making your way uh you're up 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 the ranks okay to, when you got the head chef so what was what was it like when you were when you were told andy you're a head chef now 
Um, so basically, I come back from London and um, mm. I was supposed to be the chef sous chef. Yeah. So, um, but after I think it was after two weeks, we had a meeting over in Pierre Terre after lunch one day, and um, we're all sitting around this table. And uh, this, my, my chef, my mentor, Shane Osborne from Pierre Terre, he announced he's leaving the restaurant or the company, the, the two restaurants. And um, they'd already arranged that Marcus, the chef from Lotte Pierre, is going to go over and replace him. And they were like, oh, and Andy, you're going to take over Lotte. And I was like, what? what's going on here? Because I never, even though I got to junior sous chef level and they let me run the kitchen on a Saturday, sometimes in Pierre Terre, when I went over to Holland, I was just running the fish section. Um, and then I had gone to Lotte Pierre to take on that position or responsibility as a sous chef. And all of a sudden, you're the head chef. And I was like, what? But I think I was 25. And I think when you're, I had got good experience. I just hadn't got experience at the level in terms of the position that they want that they wanted me to do. But I think I, I never even thought about it. I just thought, listen, like I just thought this was great um, because it was Michelin style restaurant and um, it was a big opportunity. And I just never questioned it. I just yeah. had my head down. And I think when you're young and excited and you, you want to push and you want to, um, uh, you have that energy and that passion, you just go for it. You put your head down and you just absolutely go for it. So, um, I never really questioned it, and I just, I just went for it. And was there, <laughs> was there other people in the kitchen kind of going? I want, like, I see Shane is on his way out, or he's going to, to pastures new or whatever. Was there other people looking to be head chef? And uh, w- would the energy change if someone becomes head chef, and they probably thought this person is not suited for that role? Or, or yeah, you... so I've seen. Um, yeah. uh, there, there wasn't. No. So probably lucky enough. But if there yeah. was, um, it definitely would have caused the conflict. Um, what there was was there was two great guys, they were junior sous chefs, and um, the chef, when he left to go over to get a tear, um, he recommended me to promote, to promote one of them to sous chef. Um, but to be honest, um, they both had their qualities, so um, I actually promoted both of them, um, which um, it worked in the short term, but I think long term, one of them wants to be like their, their sous chef, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, but um, but people leave, people are leaving all the time. That's it, it's the nature of the job. Um, you might get offered another job, a better job, or you you might be looking to move anyway. So, um, those sort of things kind of sort themselves out. But definitely, if someone wants to be the head chef, and then I had come in and I got promoted, they would have left straight away probably, or mm. they might have given it a chance and see see was they any good or if they could work for me or work with me and stuff like that. So, um, I think it depends on the on the personality to be honest. But it can it can cause problems yeah, yeah it can cause problems even at a lower level if there's let's say there's two people that started work at the same time or let's say if you think you're better than the other person and um yeah it could, it, there's always little conflicts like that in the kitchen and that's your job as the as the boss to kind of iron those out or help that situation or try to solve it come up with a solution or try to yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're fighting fires in both regards, you know, because it's, well, you're working the kitchen, so there could be a fire. Yeah. And you're also fighting fires like like with uh, emotions, you know, with different people and stuff, you know, it must be tough. Who has been your dream guest you've cooked for um, over your career so far? Um, that I have actually cooked for? Yeah. I don't, um, even though there's been a few, like, uh, there's a few that I would love to cook for that I haven't, um, but that I've actually cooked for. Um, like here in Glover's Alley, the most high profile was probably um, like, well, I'll just say the names and you can tell me if who's the more high profile. Okay. Uh, Larry Muller Jr. was a big one because I'm a huge U2 fan. So uh, he came for lunch one time. Uh, Michael Bublé's eating here. Um, Gay Byrne, when he was alive, obviously. Oh, which, Gay Byrne. He's, he's, he's obviously a, a kind of national treasure and oh, he came absolutely. quite a few times. And yeah, yeah. He's, he's very complimentary about, the, about me and the restaurant and 
Um, he was really cool. Um, Nevin Maguire, the chef, obviously has been in, but I used to work for him. Other, yeah, they're the main ones, I suppose. Uh, and in London? In London, um, Tom Jones. Oh, yeah. Uh, has been a couple of times. Tom Jones. He's the, he's the main one, I suppose. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you want to have a few others. Olivier, Olivier Giroud, footballer. Yeah, I was going to say footballer, yeah, because like, is that yeah. so? Where wh- he's the only one. What was it? You where was it? Uh, Lotspray was it Marlborough Lane or Bond Street? Yeah, or, no, uh, yeah. Marleybone, which is Marleybone. Uh, yeah, just off Marleybone High Street, actually, Blanford Street. So it's quite upmarket, would you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 London's so big; they can make anything upmarket, you know. Yeah, yeah, but um. Who would you like to hook for? Who, who, if, if 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 you had a, a wish of uh, this person's going to come to my restaurant tomorrow, who who, who would you um, love to rock up at the doorstep? Oh, just because I'm a huge United uh, United fan, I would I, and I've met him. I would love to cook for uh, Sir Alex first. Yeah. Um. Or um. Gordon Ramsay. I would love to, like I would love if he actually ate, ate in the restaurant. I oh, sorry, I cook for the president of Ireland as well in lots of cases. Got that. Uh, Michael B. Higgins, yeah, he's I, pretty high profile. Look, um, I, I'd say he'd be at the opening of envelopes. That that man, he's always, he's always, <laughs> he's always, he's always, he's always somewhere, you know. He's great. Yeah, he's great for the country because he's like so yeah. artistic and he he loves the arts and he loves like people, especially Irish people doing doing that thing across the pond. Like, here's the thing as well. I've only found out recently. You were. In two, was it 2017, you were named most, one of the most influential Irish people in the restaurant scene in London. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would that mean? I don't like, even know. Does that mean like, huh? you, can, you can get them, you know, open doors to order restaurants? Or, I don't know. I, I just, I no, just, I think uh, it just, um, I don't know. Did I see that? I think it might just be like because because the, there's a huge kind of Irish um, community, let's say, over in London, and um, yeah. some pretty high-profile um, chefs and owners and um, pub owners and, and stuff like that that are that are working over there. So it probably it probably was something in relation to that. Obviously, I was a chef of a Michelin-style restaurant, so um, no, I don't I don't I don't think it necessarily um, holds any power in terms of opening doors. Um, okay. When you're but. Uh, like for example, when you um, when you eat out in the industry, um, generally speaking, if someone you know if someone recognises you, yeah, for sure you do get looked after, and we look after people here. Like it's just it's just like a a, a thing. Like if you get a, a fellow restaurateur eating in your restaurant, you you know you want to look after them. So um, yeah. obviously you look after everyone, but there's just certain little things that you want to you want to make sure they have a great night and just show them what you can do and show them that what like show them the level that you're at and stuff. So yeah, that's um, good. Now there's a lot of Irish people over in in London, and 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 I think this was to do with um, some organisation um, that focused on Irish people, especially like yeah. achieving. Like there's guys who are owners of restaurants, there's guys who are head chefs, like um, there's guys who are working entertainment. You know what I mean? So it, it, there's a nice mix of people they they kind of focused on. And people who are like uh, in the media as well, you know, like um, social media. Yeah, huge. So yeah, huge. I've seen you. You post a lot of pictures up on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that professional photos or just your own photos or? No, they're just my own. Uh, we sometimes yeah. use professional ones on the on the restaurants um, yeah. social media, but I don't really. I don't take care of that. Um, usually, the reservation manager or 
Um, we used to have a PO company, but we don't anymore. Mm. Um, or um, they, they take care of that. For my own ones, they're just photos that I have myself. Um, obviously, put a little filter on it. Um, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're just they're just ones that are taken on the phone. To be honest, like myself from my own social media, um, I just like to show people what I'm what I'm doing in that moment, or what what dishes I have in the menu, or if they see something. For example, I put up a photo of some bread the other day, and uh, a customer seen it. And then they didn't know that we're actually operating like a Glover's Alley, a home concept, like during the lockdown. So then they were like, oh, we're going to get it. So if I hadn't have done that, it would be two less customers this week. So it was kind of like, I just do it to, yeah, just to showcase, like, because then if you look through, no one's going to do this. But yeah, if you look through the whole feed from, or even if you go back a couple of years, or if you scan through, if you, you can see like a, you can visually see a progression in the food or a change in the food style. Um, and mostly my photos are of food. Um, but I like to put up photos of um, in the days where we're allowed to go out to eat in restaurants. I love eating out in restaurants. So um, I like to put up my, uh, stuff that I have, uh, mostly also just to show support for the restaurants. Um, yeah. And I've actually had customers here tell me, oh, we love when you put up photos of uh other restaurants because um they take that as a recommendation yeah 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 and uh and i get asked here all the time they're always like what where's your favorite place to eat or where do you like to go and eat or where do you like to hang out and when i just put it when you put it all up in your social media it's free for everybody to see so they can they can kind of get a good idea off that i seen a picture the other day maybe it was after it was about two months ago of just snooping around your social media and i seen you were in bunsen <laughs> And you're like, <laughs> I see a caption that's saying, this is like, uh, it's got to be done or something like that. Bunsen, man, Bunsen, I love Bunsen because Class, no. it's, a burger. it's a heart attack, but it's a burger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good stuff though. But, I think uh, they're one of the best. No, they are. They are because all like they give you a little calling card. Like there's no menu, yeah. it's just a little business card. So we can work both ways, you know what I mean? But um, so like, in the restaurant that I've not been to, but it might be be someday, and you know, something. What 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 what's your food like? What's your the style of food you 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 focus on? Does your your travel and uh, and uh, different restaurants you've been around the world has it influenced your, uh, your menu? Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So um, we try to use as much Irish produce as possible. Ninety percent of it is actually Irish. It just probably doesn't look like Irish food. But then again, mm. what is Irish food? Like it, people have different interpretations. Yeah. It's my interpretation of it. Uh, I use Irish produce. It's very visual. Um, it is fine dining food, so um, it's going to look a certain way, or it's going to. Um, it's hard to describe sometimes, but it's it's um, it is based on French cuisine, uh, okay. but it has influences from all all around the world. So, um, like I like using Irish produce, but I like using other products that can enhance those flavors. So, like we, I'd be lost without citrus. So we don't have citrus in this country. We don't have chocolate. We don't have sugar. We don't have vanilla. So there's loads of those kind of products that I like using. I like using some Asian ingredients, soy and mirin and dashi and um, stuff like that. So, but I don't think that's, you can argue with that. Oh, it has to be like, I wouldn't like to, to, to restrict myself to just using only products in this country or stuff like that. I like, but I wouldn't use like strawberries from, or like from, I don't know, from Australia or, asparagus from peru whenever it's in season i wouldn't i wouldn't do that so it's it, it's hyper seasonal yeah so at the moment like uh well we're closed now but when we reopen in december we have all the different winter veg the meat will be like uh we only get in whole products as well so generally speaking we don't have beef on the menu because you can't get it in a whole cow 
So we usually have like lamb, pig, uh, pigeon, venison, uh, and then in, obviously game season at the moment. So all the so we'll definitely have deer. We'll definitely have um, uh, all the different uh, games of partridge, pheasant, grouse, woodcock, snipe, partridge, teal. So all that sort of stuff. So because it because it is in the season, but uh, generally, yeah, we only accept whole products. We try to showcase them as best as possible, and that's it. Yeah, I mean strawberries. You can only get them in Wexford, so that like you can't look for it further. Yeah. You know I mean? um, <laughs> but um, I've a few more things I want to ask you. Uh, you've worked with a lot of different chefs over your career, up to date. Um, if you were to pick attributes from a couple of chefs, what attributes would you pick, and what chefs and why? Like, why would you choose these attributes for a, for a particular? Um, think there's like. Um there's always like four words that are like my buzzwords that I've been saying since I was like a head chef. Okay. And um, it's kind of when I want to inspire the guys or, or just shout out these words sometimes. I always say to them, energy, passion, focus, and drive. And they're like those four key kind of words or th- And there's other words as well that I use as well, like balance, uh, commitment, uh, stamina, uh, love, friendship, feeling, all them sort of stuff. But th- those four are like, something that I took from all those chefs because the the drive and the energy and the passion mm. and the focus that they had in those kitchens, in those moments. Um, and especially because I feel lucky in a way that I was uh, in kitchens when, when we were working those hours in some ways, because I experienced it and I seen what it's like. And I, and I, the adrenaline that's there and the, the, just the, the raw kind of passion that's in those kitchens working at those levels one two and three minutes star level it's hard to describe like it's 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 like a drug you know like the service is like a drug because it's just yeah like we had a service here before the last lockdown on the saturday and me and the manager the two managers were talking after the service and we were like because there's always an issue in a restaurant there's always a customer who complains or um or that's not happy or that wants special treatment or the staff member who's not feeling well or is you're having problems with because um for whatever reason it's there's always something within that day and that night we had our best service ever because if there was so there was an energy that it felt like everybody from the kitchen porter to the chef to the pastry chef to the waiter to everybody was just going for it they were it something happened and it was like magic like it was incredible so i think just yeah like those things that like more than oh he was great at pastry or he was great at meat or he was great at in the past just to have the that energy and that passion that focus and that drive i always come back to that because that is what it takes to be a great chef you, yeah you can teach all the other stuff and as well the biggest thing as well is attitude and that that starts at the top you have to have a good attitude you have to be willing to learn and willing to to to, to be taught or to teach and and that goes for the for the boss or or, or the, the comedy chef or or anyone. You have to have a good attitude. Yeah, that's good. It's so true. Attitude is so important. I mean, I, I've look, I've had a bad attitude over the years, but I, I worked on a cruise ship and I knew what I learned what what, what working 11, 12 hour days was like. But I appreciate it because you kind of get into a zone, you know, when you're when you're yeah. into full flow because. You know, you're there for you're there for, for your clients, and I, I'm there for my for my guests and stuff like that. Uh, and what you're doing dealing with is, yeah, you, you might get like uh, twenty good compliments, but one bad compliment can really kind of shape your day. And you're you're, you're yeah. watching out for people who are kind of who have your mark, card marked because 
you're just doing your best, but some people just want to take you down and want to want, want to make sure that you're not the best chef in the world. I don't care how many accolades you got. You're not the best. You can always do better, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, in, that, in those situations, yeah, you just have to try and stay positive and, and, yeah. and deal with it, each different, each individual different circumstance as best you can and, um, and just keep going. Yeah, true. So you've talked about how uh, 2020 has affected you. What Have you got any plans for 2021? Are you kind of taking it as, as the government kind of uh, sees fit and, and let you kind of go on to... I, I'm thinking it's going up to level three. Some people are saying level yeah. two for Christmas, but the, the, the surge of people going out into town, we all want to do the 12 pubs and we all want to go and go have a nice uh, meal and a drink. But yeah. level two seems a bit much at the moment. But what do you think? Like, what's what's the plan? Um, well, personally, I um, um, I think it should be level three, but I think you should be allowed indoor dining. Obviously, yeah. with some restrictions in place. Yeah. Um, we're lucky that, and I know this probably sounds very selfish, but we're lucky that we're actually we're we're in the hotel. So, um, with the last restrictions on the level three in Dublin, but without indoor dining, we were allowed under those restrictions to serve hotel residents. Okay. So we're hopefully at the very least uh, going to have that for December. So we're planning for that. Um, if it's level two or if you're allowed indoor dining, great. Um, we're going to be very busy, but obviously you need to make sure we're managing it correctly. Um, we're lucky here with the space we have and the dining room that we have and, uh, and everything else. It wasn't too hard to implement all the stuff, to be honest. Um, we have such a big space and such a good space. Um, it's not too difficult. Um, I think... We're also launching a Glover's Alley. Uh, it's called Glover's Alley Larder. It's like a it's like a gift box. So we'll have that ready for the start of December as well. It's going to be perfect for Christmas, but it's also going to be good for for birthdays and 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 throughout the year. It's not going to be like Christmas focused. It's basically just like a goodie box, um, with all different kind of sorts of stuff. So we're working on that in terms of the contents, the packaging, and the marketing and stuff. Um, and yeah, just hopefully looking forward to hiring back the staff and getting the restaurant just back up and running and hopefully being allowed to continue to do that because I, I don't agree with the kind of stop-start approach and, and stuff like mm. that. I understand it's, it's serious with the numbers numbers and stuff, but personally, if, if you have the... They're talking about, like, living with the virus, then allow us to live with it because what we're doing at the moment is not living with it. That's just, like, hiding away. So yeah. um, I think, you know, as long as everyone follows... There's always going to be one or two muffins, but there was one or two people before the lockdown doing stupid things. So... I don't think you should punish everyone when, uh, when you see silly things going on. As long as we all, most people understand to protect yourself, protect others, wear a mask, wash your hands, sanitize your hands, keep your distance. Yeah. Um, I personally think you should be allowed to get on uh, with our lives as much as possible. But um, at, at this stage anyway, and hopefully um, we'll be allowed to get back to some sort of normality, uh, if not before Christmas, certainly next year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's, even you're saying yourself that, that they've had a breakthrough with the vaccine and stuff. So hopefully that'll be. Yeah, that's positive. It's it's all like it's always good to have that bit of positivity because all, all we do is talk about vaccine and now we will. But all we do we talk about lockdown and talk about like how many quizzes you've done on Zoom. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'd say the reason why the place was busy because your service is top notch and also like. It, like people want to go out and you know treat themselves and also they want to see a friendly face and they've come to your place because they they know they're going to get a friendly face and they're going to get treated very well you know there you are that's 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 my my review for a place i've never been there you go <laughs> but um okay i want to ask a, a question you're a big admirer of anthony bourdain do you ever get to meet anthony bourdain bourdain um i never actually got to meet him but i could have so mm. basically when i was in lecrevan 
um, that first year when it, when I'd gone from Givos there. Um, he obviously, he obviously, his first book was the Kitchen Confidential, which kind of launched him. Well, not his cooking career, but launched his celebrity kind of career, if you like. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, he had a second book out called The Cook's Tour, and I was obsessed with this guy because I just thought that book was absolutely amazing. The, the first one and the second one was as well. But I got this book, and he was doing a book tour, um, so um, around Europe or around the world. And he was in he was in Ireland, he was in Dublin, and um he happened to be eating in Le Cravan one night. But I was so scared, like I was 18, but I was I don't know, I was not scared, but yeah, I was a commie chef, so I was I wouldn't say like anything to anybody, so I just had my head down. But I had heard he was eating in the restaurant. So I got on really well with one of the managers and I just said, Oh, um, I have the book. If you get a chance, can I just get a sign? Anyway, she was like, Yeah, no problem. So, but what was really interesting was that night, everyone had been served, we were cleaning the kitchen, and then the manager came in and she says, listen, he's still there. There's not many customers outside. Do you want to come out and meet him? And I regret this, like, big time now because um, I was just so, I don't want to say scared, but, yeah, almost, like, scared. I was like, no, 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 like, I can't. Like, just, can you just get my book signed? She was like, yeah, no, I already got it signed, but come out and meet him. And I was like, no, 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 I can't. I thought I would get in trouble or something if the chef mm. found out. So um, she was like, okay. So uh, I, I I didn't get to meet him, but she gave me the book and uh, he had signed it and he said, to Andy, cook free or die. And he drew a, uh, a picture of a cook's knife with like, blood coming off it. Yeah. And uh, it's absolutely incredible. And um, I always think about those words, like cook free or die, yeah. um, about what it means or what it can mean. And um and that was it. So I missed my opportunity. I had, it was there. And I... Yeah. Look, it is what it is. There's a great little quote that what um, what what um, Anthony said, you know, because he he was almost like a punk, you know. He was just so different yeah. from what a chef, like an archetypical chef, would be. But the way, like in in his TV and his media, like he's such a he's very honest about things to a point where it was like almost like philosophical. You know what I mean? It's crazy stuff. Yeah. Andy, uh, it's been great having you on. Thanks for coming on and doing my 27th episode. Um, I took hiatus, but I'm back. Back with a bang, Andy. Yes, I yeah. got the big stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it great to talk to you and um, many successes in the future. No problem. My pleasure. All right. Thanks All very right, much. Man. Take it easy. Take care. I'll see you. Thanks. Uh, yes, and that was Andy McFadden. He's actually a neighbour of mine, would you believe? And he's also a lovely guy. And he's, he's, just a, he's a top chef. He's a, he's a restaurateur, owner of Glover's Alley. Um, in Dublin city centre and he came on for a chat or a bit of a conversation hope you enjoy what you heard today guys uh, this is Heartlines my name is Shane this is episode 27 so if you want to listen back to the previous episodes go on back and listen to those episodes remember you're always welcome here in Heartlines take it easy bye bye